Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The Adventures of Tintin by Hergé, dramatized by Simon Eastwood. Four, destination, move. To the editor, from Tintin, famous boy reporter. Subject, space travel. Soon after the discovery of Red Rackham's treasure, Professor Calculus suddenly and mysteriously disappeared. Three months later, the Captain Snowy and I received a telegram from the Professor, summoning us to the land of Sildavia. Clow, ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your safety belts. <laughs> Shall I tighten my lead? You're very preoccupied, Tintin. Is anything wrong? I don't know, Captain. It's just, what proof have we that Professor Calculus really sent us the telegram? Then remember that mysterious telephone call before we left, asking after him but refusing to leave a name. Perhaps someone wanted us out of the house. Glistering particles, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I'd say you've been reading too many comics, Tintin. Not that you can hear what I say. What's that old goat calculus up to? Your whiskey, sir. Ah, splendid. Ah, oh, well, at least we've left Nestor at home. He's worth a dozen guard dogs. Oh, what about me? <laughs> Thundering typhoons! What if the person put mineral water in my whiskey? Passport, please. Oh. I wonder if old calculus is here to meet us. I don't see him anywhere. Uh, you, Captain Haddock, and yes. him, Tintin. Yes. And me, Snowy. Your friend uh, not able to meet you. Oh. You, please go with this gentleman. This wise, sirs. It seems Calculus has sent a car for us. Oh, that's kind of him. What about our luggage? Already in the car, sir. Take a good look at those two. I see them, Mr. Miller. The young one? That's Tintin, the famous boy reporter. He spells trouble. And with him, his friend, the millionaire Captain Heddock. You've been doing your homework, Baron. They're joining the mammoth. You see, Zippo picked them up already. The wheels, my dear Miller, are in motion. Oh, Calculus is doing things in style, eh? A chauffeur flunky by thunder. Maybe, but I'm not sure he's what he seems. No, I do think the professor could have laid on some bones. What lovely country. Uh, it's a pity they only drink mineral water. Uh, they like it. What do you keep turning round for, Tintin? I'm watching that car. It's been following us from the airport. Well, I expect it's going to Clow, like us. Perhaps. Anyway, we'll soon be there. We're coming to a town. Uh-uh. Think again, Tintin. What's happening? We've turned off the Clow Road. Hey, driver, where are you taking us? Sprouge. Sprouge yourself, you bashy bazook. You're asked where we're going. Tell us. Sprouge, sir. Friend there. Oh. I don't like this, Captain. I don't like this at all. <laughs> About a dog's life. Two hours cooped up in here and it's getting bumpier and bumpier. That other car's still following us, Captain. Yeah, the country's getting wilder. Why, whatever is this? Captain, look at that sign. It says security area. Why are all those soldiers pointing machine guns at us? Obey, Scrooge, we judge. Hey, Scrooge! What did he say? Uh, I demand an explanation. Soon 
But why the checkpoint? Where are you taking us? It's no good, Captain. Besides, our doors are locked. It seems we're prisoners. Helicopter? Whatever next? What's happening? Those garage doors are opening and driving straight in. Another tunnel. What's going on? Ah, here you are, gentlemen. And about time to I am in the mood to tear someone limb from limb. Ah, you must be Captain Heather. Uh, Let me introduce myself, Frank Wolf, assistant engineer to Professor Calculus. How do you do? I'm Tintin. Oh, an honor to meet you, Mr. Tintin. Your reputation precedes you. And I'm Snowy, the dog. Mr. and Barnacles, what's going on? You'll see, Captain. Professor Calculus will explain everything. Come, he's waiting for us upstairs. Gentlemen, this is where Professor Calculus works. Why is the professor wearing a fishbowl on his head? It's my dear old friend, Captain Haddock. You received my telegram? Let me in. Oh, Mr. Barnacle, that's my head. I'm blind as well as deaf. Sorry, I, I completely forgot my helmet. It's, oh, it's a new model in multiplex. We're testing it for strength. Well, believe me, it's strong, all right. A multiplex helmet? What for, may I ask? No, no, it's not glass multiplex. Glass isn't nearly strong enough. Uh, of course. But what's this multiplex helmet for? Certainly, certainly. Uh, just a moment. Uh, what did you say? Ah, you're using an ear trumpet now. Uh, but why not a hearing aid? They're almost invisible. Oh, yes, I, I know what you mean. But they're meant for deaf people, and I'm only a little hard of hearing in one ear. Yeah, joking, of course. Now look, Mr. Hard of Hearing, when am I going to get an answer to my question? Where are we? Uh, didn't Mr. Wolf tell you? No! In short, Mr. Miller, we haven't made much progress. The only precise information we've managed to get is this complete list of employees in the main workshop. Our agent, K27, in the ministry photographed it on microfilm. Here. K27 has not wasted his time, my dear Baron. Here we are. I want to show you a rather spectacular view. Now look through this window. Gosh. Well, what do you think of it? I think it's a very nice window. Great snakes. What on earth is that thing? That, Captain, is a part and only a part of the Sprudge Atomic Research Centre. Oh, an atomic research centre in this land of water-drinking savages. Certainly. Four years ago, rich uranium deposits were found in the heart of the Zimmelpafian Mountains. Uh, that is, here. The Soldavian government immediately embarked on the building of an atomic research centre. But let's, uh, let's sit down. Uh, a drink, Captain? <laughs> That's a silly question, Professor. Oh, well, if you just... Specialists in nuclear physics were recruited from many countries and work began. Well, it goes without saying that all the research is for humanitarian purposes. Yeah, your health. 
Thundering typhoons, more miserable water. Oh, dear, dear. The Soldavian government invited me to work here. I've been put in charge of the astronautical section, as that is the field with which I am most familiar. And I'm just completing plans for a nuclear-powered rocket in which I propose to land on the moon. What? Oh, I really think you should be a little more adventurous, <laughs> Professor. Oh, the moon! Oh, calculus on the moon! Oh, the things you think of! Ah, the moon! That's a good one. I haven't laughed so much in years. You old dumbbug calculus. Passengers for the moon, all aboard the bus. Uh, sorry, the rocket. You are taking passengers, I hope. Of course. Why else do you think I asked you to join me? <laughs> what? What are you saying? Me on the moon with you, blustering barnacles, your brain gone radioactive. What? Oh dear! Speak up! I'll never set foot in your infernal rocket, you hear me? Thundering typhoons, never! I say, the professor swapped his ear trumpet for the captain's pipe by mistake. Thank you, Captain. Thank you. I knew I could count on you. What? Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. It's Mr. Baxter. He's the Director General of the Centre. May I introduce Captain Haddock, Mr. Baxter? Uh, the Captain is most enthusiastic. He says he and our good friend Tintin will be delighted to travel with me D to the moon. D D excuse me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Don't be modest. A character such as yours is all too rare. I congratulate you and I envy you. Yeah, but you will have a unique privilege, the first man to set foot on our great satellite, the moon. But the I congratulate you too, young man. In this perilous venture, you will represent the eager spirit of youth. That's splendid. But yes, it's getting late, gentlemen, and you've had a tiring day. We'll show you to your rooms, and tomorrow the professor will take you round the center. This will be the first time outsiders have been admitted. As you can imagine, we cannot be too careful about spies and saboteurs. Oh, it gets better and better. Talking of saboteurs, who's stolen my pipe? Send us in code, my dear Baron. AKR-12 to NW-3R. In contact at top level with main workshop. Morning, Captain. Good morning. Tintin. Morning. Ah, it's Mr. Wolf. I'm glad he isn't one. I trust you slept well. Oh. The professor is rather busy this morning, so he suggested that I take you round the centre. Oh. You, you'd better put on these badges. You. Then you can go round without being stopped continually by Zeppo. Oh, thank you. Look here, just what is a Zeppo? The Zeppo, uh, Z-Po, secret police. They are the special police responsible for guarding the atomic area. Oh. Despite all our precautions, certain powers know that we are building a moon rocket, and their spies are actively interested. <laughs> it's believed they have an inside informer. On that score, the Zeppo have plenty to do. It seems our Zeppo are in action already. Yeah, maybe they found my pipe. Attention, please. <laughs> Attention, please. Engineer Frank Wolf, please contact Professor Calculus immediately. Uh, 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 Attention, I, I must please. go. Hey, something serious, Mr. Frank Wolf, please This morning, when I opened the safe, look what I found. Old newspapers instead of my detailed drawings for the experimental rocket. No. It's incredible. The professor put them in the safe last night, and this morning the plans are gone. What does this mean? Look, I say, it I could be all here. finished. All of things we have worked. Snowy, how many times have I told you not to rummage around in dustbins? I just it's don't so understand it. Oh, but wait. Oh, Great snakes. Excuse me, Professor, I may be mistaken, but here in the waste paper basket... 
the plans you were looking for? Oh, so now it's a waste paper basket. Oh, and of course, I you're allowed to run it. I never ate white, so they are. But, oh, I, oh, but how could I? I? I'm terribly sorry. In a moment of absent-mindedness last night, I must have put the plans in the basket and locked up these old newspapers. It's a case of double standards, that's what it is. Well done, Snowy. You saved the day. Oh, well. Mystery barnacles. Promote, I hope the mission was off. Uh, engineer Frank Wolf speaking. Call off alert. I repeat, there is no longer an emergency. Come. I think it's time I showed you the prototype of the rocket which will one day take us to the moon. XFLR-6, as we've called it. Thundering typhoons. Looks just like a great giant red dot. It's bigger than Marlin's spike, eh, Captain? And this is just the model. The <laughs> rocket, which is radio-controlled, will circumnavigate the moon and take photographs of the other side, the face which is and always will be invisible from the Earth. You humans have got some funny ideas. Needless to say, the XFLR-6 will carry a full range of instruments. When these are recovered, they will give us invaluable information for our own trip. How do you feel about being the first dog in space, Snowy? Mm. Over the moon. Attention, Attention please. please. Broad control to unidentified aircraft. Are you receiving me? You are violating a security area. If you proceed, you are liable to be forced down. I will leave all medical units. Stand by. Prepare the I repeat, if you do not clear security area, we will open fire. Gentlemen, there have been serious incidents during the night. An unidentified aircraft flew over the security area. It dropped three parachutists. The parachute of one failed to open and he was killed. His body was found this morning. He was carrying rations, arms and a radio set. But of course, no identification papers. Till now, the other two parachutists have evaded capture. Needless to say, everything is being done to find them. Meanwhile, gentlemen, I ask for your cooperation. Operation? Who's he talking about having an operation? Is somebody ill? Uh, there must be something wrong with your ear trumpet, Professor. Oh, he's the captain's pilot. I would like to impress on you, my senior executives... Pilot, does that include me? ...the need for constant vigilance. This daring raid proves that even the strictest precautions cannot stop desperate men. The trial rocket will soon be ready. I'm sure that's where the spies will concentrate their efforts, so please be especially alert. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, if it were possible, Mr. Baxter, I'd very much like permission to leave the centre for a few days, to make a trip into the mountains. I feel I'd like to stretch my legs. But of course, I quite understand you're wanting to have a little relaxation at such a stressful time. Over piles of rocks. That's called relaxation. This is it, Snowy. From here, there's an unrestricted view. So, now to work. Supposing these mysterious parachutists had an accomplice within the center who wanted to hand over the plans, how would they do it? 
All the entrances are guarded. All of them, no. Oh, dear. You see, Snowy, before we left, I spent a long time studying this plan of the centre. Oh, clever boy. I found one ventilator no one bothers to guard. They think it's inaccessible. Well, I believe there's a way of getting at it. Mm, they're nice binoculars. Let's see. Yes, there it is. Well, I think there's a way to approach that one. Come on, Snowy. <laughs> Into my rucksack. <laughs> We're going to take a closer look. <laughs> Just as I thought. This must be where the spies contact their inside accomplice. The first thing is to warn the captain. The first thing is to get me out of this undignified position. Come on, Snowy. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Hello, Captain? Yes, it's me. I think I've got it. J Sector, Corridor 7, Ventilator 3. Now, can I count on you to be there? It's a chilly night. Here, Snowy, we must wrap up well. How much longer do we have to wait around, Tintin? What's that? It must be one of the parachutists. He's approaching the grating. Someone's handing him papers. But where's the other parachutist? Never mind. Now's my moment to join in. Be careful, Tintin. Hands up! How bad is it, Doctor? There's nothing serious. The bullet only grazed his skull. Of course, it was a violent blow, but it's come round completely now. Good. I would like to question him. Certainly, sir, but not for too long. He's still very weak. It was the other parachutist whom I hadn't seen. To save his accomplice, he fired at me. Oh, the gangsters, the pirates. I was too late. It's lucky I heard Snowy barking down the ventilator. Oh, if I get my hands on those crooks, I'll turn my back and... Oh, that's the back of Mr. Baxter's chair, Captain. Oh, Mr. Baxter, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, wait, I'll get you another chair. No need. No need, thank you. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. The next thing is to find out which documents are missing, and above all, we must unmask the traitor in our midst. I'm afraid that won't be easy. Now the fellow has achieved his object, he'll try to be inconspicuous. As for our discovering which documents he gave to his accomplices, I'm certain he won't have been foolish enough to steal the originals. You're right, but still we'll continue our inquiry. Meanwhile, I'll ask Professor Calculus to speed up preparations for launching the trial rocket. Get well soon. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Mr. Baxter. The gantries have been removed and the technicians are now completing the fueling... Excellent. Mr. Baxter, look who's here. Oh, Tintin, I thought you were confined to your room. I am in theory, but a week has been long enough. And besides, I wouldn't miss the launching of the trial rocket for anything. Splendid. We can go to the control room. From here we shall control the rocket during its flight. Look at all that I say, Professor, did you remember the gadget I mentioned to you when you came to see me in the sick bay? Gadget? Oh, yes, it's done. I fixed it this evening. By the way, it's good to see you wearing a hearing aid. Pardon? In a few minutes, gentlemen, XFLR-6 will begin its flight. I propose that the honor of launching the rocket should fall to our youngest colleague, 
hinting. <laughs> the left-hand lever controls the auxiliary engine used only at the outset. The other controls the nuclear motor, which takes over later. Come on, everyone. Excellent stations. You can hear that, Baron. In one minute, a bird flies. Right into our hands. Eh, Mr. Miller? Can you see my pipe? Not now, Captain. One, zero. No. Lift off. Man is sending a rocket to the moon and back! Ah, there's my pipe. It's on the professor's desk. Stand by for the nuclear motor. Ready? T minus ten seconds. Nine, eight. Uh, Kinkin, I found my pipe. Really, that's a weight off my mind, considering I'm trying to engage a nuclear motor. No. Engaged. Congratulations. Oh, Captain, I think it's your sense of timing I admire Sir, most. Nuclear motor engaged. All is going well. Well, you lot might like sitting around in a control room for hours, but for a dog, it's extremely boring. Just imagine, for the first time in history, cameras are now photographing the side of the moon no one has ever seen, and it's thanks to us, my dear Wolf, thanks to us. Yes, Professor. Zero zero nine eight correction made. Correction made. I beg your pardon, but I followed you exactly. I'm not deaf, oh, am I? What is this? Is something wrong, Wolf? The, the, the rocket is going off course. I, I don't know what it is. That's what I'm doing, confounded. I, I can't understand it. The rocket is right out of control. But surely that's impossible. Now, Baron, the fruit is ripe. We have only to plug it. Excellent, Mr. Miller. <laughs> Got it. Tintin was right. How lucky I listened to him. What do you mean? Mr. Baxter, why won't XFLR-6 obey us? Because it has been intercepted by a stronger radio-controlled station than ours on the same wavelength. If we don't intervene, our rocket with all its secrets will fall into the hands of a foreign power. As sure as my name's... Cuthbert Calculus, that's not going to happen. Mr. Baxter, we must blow up XFLR-6. Surely you can't mean that. You hear that, Mr. Baxter? What do you say? All right. Control room to observatory. XFLR-6 has been captured by enemy radio control station. We are going to blow her up. But how? There's no device. Thank you, Mr. Baxter. Here's the detonator, Professor. What detonator? Be brave, Cuthbert. Now you must destroy your whole life's work.
Accursed luck! They've foreseen everything! They'd sooner blow up the rockets and let it fall into our hands. It merely means, my dear Baron, that the stakes are now higher. How did I get the idea? Well, it occurred to me that the documents passed to the spies might contain all the details of the radio control of the trial rocket. I confided my fears to Professor Calculus, who immediately devised the mechanism to explode XFLR-6. Too true. All too true. All our hopes brought to nothing. Months, years of research and struggle. Annihilated in a flesh. Is that a promise? No, Professor Calculus. All is not lost. On the contrary, this is a triumph for you. Didn't your nuclear motor work perfectly? Didn't the rocket go to the moon and circle it? Tintin is right. <laughs> the trial was conclusive. Don't be so downhearted. <laughs> Tomorrow we start work on another rocket, but not an experimental one. This will be the real rocket to carry you to the moon. Oh, no. For the next four months, we endured endless acclimatization and gravitational experiments while teams of experts worked around the clock to construct Professor Calculus's moon rocket. Finally, the preparations were completed. There was no turning back. Look, Captain, the road's flanked on either side by soldiers. Are we going to war, Tintin? Hail Caesar, those about to die salute thee. But here they're saluting our blistering barnacles. Who knows, my thunder? It may be for the last time. We've arrived, Captain. <laughs> the gantries are floodlit. The rocket's ready for launching. It's like a great giant watching over us all. Yes, very pretty. Oh, tell me it's a dream. I'm going to wake up in Marin's night with a pipe and a glass of whiskey. It's lunacy, sheer lunacy! Please, gentlemen, step into the lift. In a few minutes, we must part. As soon as you're inside the rocket, I shall go to one of the shelters to watch the launching. Afterwards, I shall return to the center and resume contact with you by radio. Goodbye, Captain. What? I am delighted that a sailor should be one of the first men to set foot on the moon. It wouldn't have been all the same to me if a piccolo player had gone. Tintin, goodbye, my young friend. Goodbye. My good wishes go with you. <laughs> I'm sorry not to be among you. Oh, though, that's easily rectified, Mr. Baxter. Please, take my place. Oh, thank you, Captain. That is most kind, but I would not ask you to make such a sacrifice. No. Goodbye, Wolf, and good luck. You know my regard for you. Thank you, Mr. Baxter. I shall not fail you. As for you, my dear Professor, your skill is our best guarantee of success. Thank you, Mr. Baxter. I can only say this. We will get to the moon or perish. Oh, well, that's all right, then. I didn't know there was a planet called Paris. Come on, gentlemen. XFLR 6 is waiting for us. Come on, Snowy. <laughs> Good luck, my friends. <laughs> the die is cast. There they go, heading for what could well become their tomb. If there's no change of plan, Baron, it's just half an hour till their departure. And then, Mr. Miller, the fun will begin. Stand by. Ten seconds and counting. 
This is it, Nine. gentlemen. There is no Eight. turning back. <laughs> May everything go as planned. Into two, the hands of fate. Zero. receiving me. Earth calling Moon Rocket. Ah, Mr. Baxter, you've come back. Well? We've been calling them without interruption for some time now. I can't understand it. Keep trying. Earth calling Moon Rocket. Are you receiving me? Earth calling Moon Rocket. Are you receiving me? Earth calling Moon Rocket. Are you receiving me? Yes, it seems so. But what's worrying me is their silence. Uh, call them again, Walter. Earth calling Moon Rocket. Are you receiving me? Earth calling Moon Rocket, are you receiving me? I repeat, Earth calling Moon Rocket, are you receiving me? Destination Moon starred Leo McKern as Captain Haddock, Richard Pierce as Tintin, Andrew Sachs as Snowy, and Stephen Moore as Professor Calculus. With Stephen Thorne as Mr. Baxter, Nigel Carrington as Wolf, Teresa Stratfield as the announcer, Andrew Wincott as the Baron, and Clarence Smith as Passport Control. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The Adventures of Tintin by Hergé are dramatised by Simon Eastwood and produced by John York. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.